Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Way back in episode 13 with Keith Witt, we spoke about the importance of polarity in terms of maintaining a spark with your partner. Have you wondered, though, about what that really means? Does that mean that one of us has to be masculine and the other has to be feminine in order for this whole thing to work? How do you turn polarity into something that doesn't just become a descent into stereotypes, but into a dynamic energy that lives and breathes in your relationship? And how do you take it to the next level, turning it into higher states of energy and consciousness with your partner? Today's guest is Michaela Bohm, an experienced counselor and tantric lineage holder who specializes in teaching skills that enhance deep intimacy and lasting attraction, and who co-taught for a number of years with David Data to make the concepts that he teaches in books like Way of the Superior Man and The Enlightened Sex Manual practical. And in today's episode, we're going to do just that. We'll update your idea of what polarity even means and give you some practical tools to open yourself up to what's possible in terms of your energetic connection within yourself and with your partner. Michaela is also going to point out some of the places where people stumble or get stuck so that you don't have to make the same mistakes on your journey. She's also kindly offered a free copy of one of the audios from her website to a lucky listener. All you have to do is download the show guide at neilsatin.com polarity or text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the directions to qualify. So much to chat about. Michaela Bohm, thank you so much for being here with us today on Relationship Alive. Thank you for having me. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm really delighted because, well, for one thing, um, I, you know, at first I really wanted to talk to David Data, but the guy, I guess he doesn't talk to people anymore or something. He's, <laughs> so, um, which is fine. I'm actually really excited to, to hear from you about how you've seen that work grow and um, enhance the lives of people who have, who you've been working with. And you were a mm. co-teacher with him for 13 years, right? For 13 years. And he is truly the pioneer, you know, of this whole realm. Uh, you know, like, uh, I, I didn't hear your interview with Keith Witt, but I know Keith Witt. And uh, uh, a lot of the things he talks about are directly, um, you know, out of David's work. And uh, so are many other people because he was the first one who really, um, you know, pioneered these concepts. Now, the interesting thing is that, of course, uh, when The Way of the Superior Man was written, uh, I think 15 years ago or something like that, uh, things were very different than they are now. And the terms masculine and feminine were... Uh, not defined the way uh, they are now, and they are also they weren't used and misused the way they are now, and so particularly in the last four or five years in being out and about and teaching, and you know I, I, I traveled and taught with David for the last thirteen, and I've also been uh, you know teaching uh, extensively on my own in Europe and and the U.S. and this year uh, also Australia, but. Uh, we we've really uh, gotten a, a different view on uh, the whole realm of masculine and feminine. So I think it might be interesting to define it a slightly different way than it, it used to be defined, because um, things have changed quite dramatically. So yeah, maybe we can just start there. I'm really curious to hear how the how the landscape has changed for what what we're even talking about with masculine and feminine yeah i think the landscape has changed culturally and as well the landscape around the understanding and the use of the terms masculine and feminine has changed so the first thing to be said about uh, that is that you know when these terms first were uh, pioneered um the uh the definitions were were uh, were created, and then not many people knew about it. And it was always quite a revelation for people when they looked at themselves in those terms. And then over years, when it became somewhat more popular, uh, 
you know, a lot of misunderstandings have happened. And nowadays, the terms masculine and feminine are part of both, you know, pop psychology and pop culture uh, in a certain way without a lot of distinction and definition around them. And one of the common um, pitfalls is that people um, conflate masculine and men and feminine and women. And of course, when you look at it through the lens of, well, women are this and men are this, you're actually stoking both a bit of a gender war and the stereotyping. Um, and that is, you know, a lot of uh, what critics uh, have said about these terms. And that's true if you really assume that women are feminine, men are masculine, which is, of course, not the case. Masculine and feminine are just uh, placeholder terms to describe certain energies that happen in both uh, genderous bodies. And that's a very, very important distinction, which we can go into in a second. And the misunderstanding around that distinction has made, um, to me personally, I don't even want to use these terms anymore because it's so laden nowadays with all kinds of stereotypes and misconceptions and, uh, uh, you know, also ways to use these terms to just uh, pigeonhole people and, and box them in certain ways. Yeah. But that's, of course, you know, what happens with any definition that's uh, that becomes popular. So that's one aspect. I don't know if you want to say something about that before I go on a rant on the other aspect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the only thing that I maybe just wanted to contribute here is that, um, you know, I think I actually became familiar with this concept of masculine and feminine polarity through the work of Tony Robbins, actually. And um, who also took it from David. Yes, it's yeah. very clear. You know, you can you can see it very clearly as you become familiar with David Data's work. Um, and and of course, why wouldn't he? It's so powerful. Um, but what I what I found is that when you so it seems like people can get it, or at least they get this notion of well, okay, whether I'm a man or a woman, I'm going to relate more to um, to more masculine qualities, and we can talk about what those are, or more feminine qualities. And let's say that masculine qualities, just as they're sort of generically defined now, is like uh, you want to be strong and solid and a, and a container for your wild woman to like lose her um, orgasmic mind. Um then that can almost become this like rigid thing that people feel like they can't deviate from or exactly. like, like they lose the the dynamic aspect of polarity. Yeah. So yeah. maybe you could could address that as you... Yeah. Well, that's why I've kind of moved on from a lot of those uh, constructs and um, why when I can help it, don't define it as masculine and feminine so much anymore because it's almost become a... A tool of suppression, or, or you know, or or oppression. That well, you're not in your feminine right now, or you know, you just don't meet me with your masculine. You hear this all the time. I'm sure this is not only a West Coast phenomenon. <laughs> um, and uh, what it is is that um, within each human being, there are those two forces. And so, how I've started to define this. Um, in in my own teaching is that I look at it more like principles, right? So everyone has an organizing principle in them and everyone has a pleasure principle in them. And so the, the organizing principle, the, the principle of the masculine is the part of each human being that drives things forward, that um, has direction and structure and ideally clarity and um, a long-term view and works in a kind of a time space grid uh, to, you know, to, to essentially create a forward movement. There's a lot more to that, you know, the tendency towards emptiness, emptying out, um, versus the tendency towards fullness, which is the the feminine, you know, pleasure principle aspect of uh, the the wild, chaotic swirl of nature as it ex is expressed in each person's body, right, um, and in each person's uh, environment and life, and with that, the pleasure in the body and the enjoyment of uh, the multitude of flavors and textures and, uh, um, you know, 
capacities. Uh, that's the that's the pleasure principle or the feminine nature, essentially, right? And the organizing principle, consciousness. Um, you know, the kind of depth of uh, of uh, penetration and and clarity that um, makes things happen and moves them forward. One without the other, of course, is horrendous, right? The, the, the organizing principle without the swirl of chaotic natural life force is just, you know, static. Um, there's, or not even static, just stuck, I should say. And uh, only chaos and the creative flow of, uh, you know, nature without direction is a natural disaster, so to speak and so you do need both even without within yourself because otherwise you are just doing what you want to do and don't get anything done or you're so rigid that you're no longer able to flow with life right and so each human being has a mix of those two that allow us to varying degrees um you know, to be uh, both effective and expressed and uh, fulfilled in life. Now, when it when it comes to sex, and with sex, I don't only mean intercourse; I also mean the um, in in my original you know lineage, it was called the erotic friction, right? The 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 tension between those two poles is what makes um, for for that kind of sexual chemistry and excitement and and um, you know, spark that we all want in our intimate relationships, regardless if we're straight or gay. Uh, that that's why it has nothing to do with masculine, you know, male and female. It has to do with how it sits in your body. So in the sexual uh, interaction, we want that friction, we want that tension, we want that build up and release the. Uh, the hunt and being, you know, and and being the hunted, the penetrator and the, the the person who surrenders. Now it can go back and forth, and it should go back and forth for the fullness of experience. But most people have a, so to speak, a home energy or home preference, uh, which is the place where they're naturally most relaxed and full and fulfilled. And that's either the masculine or the feminine. And uh, that doesn't mean you don't have all the other aspects, but sexually speaking, what you then learn is to animate and distinguish and define those two aspects of you so you have them available um, to play with another human being. Yeah, so so I'm curious if we could just sort of pause right there for a moment and just say, okay, um, what is, can you offer our listeners? Like, here's a way for you to get in touch with the organizing principle within you. And here's mm-hmm. a way for you to get in touch with the pleasuring principle within mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, an easy way to look at this, uh, you know, if you are in doubt, because some people are in doubt. Um, and the reason people are in doubt is that they somehow think that what they are doing the most is who they are. And if we had no um, societal or, you know, market restrictions, that would be true, right? If we'd all live in nature in the caves or, uh, you know, the jungles of some beautiful tropical island, then what you would do the most is probably what your essence is. But of course, in modern Western society, everything is geared towards the masculine um, tendencies. So... It is not true that what people do mostly is where the essence sits because most people who make a living have to animate their masculine very strongly, other than a few uh, professions. And so um, uh, what you look for is what would make you the most happy. You know, most people spend most of their days in their masculine, meaning in the aspects of their life that require organization, forward movement, fairly rigid adherence to a schedule and a plan, um, and need to organize their mind, create structure in their life, make things happen in an organized way. Um, And then with that, of course, comes the tendency to want to recuperate the way... um, that that kind of mindset requires, which is 
you know, essentially be still or sit still or meditate or sit in front of the TV. So that, that would be the more masculine principles which most men and women adhere by for the sake of making a living and functioning in society. If you go a step below, you will find that your natural tendency when you relax and when you are left to your own devices, let's say on a weekend or in a vacation or in your hobbies, you'll have tendencies. There's people who um, enjoy the fullness of life, whatever that means to them. That could be anything from um, children to animals to friends uh, to dinners to preparing food to growing food. Um, you know, to clothing, to social, um, you know, events, uh, house decorating, uh, doing things that are pleasurable, you know, going to the spa, all of those things that essentially mean engaging with life. If that's how your heart is the happiest, so to speak, if that's how your body is the most relaxed, then you have a feminine essence, so to speak. Um, you know, and and um, uh, that also means, you know, certain kind of engagement and exchange of love and exchange of information, um, you know, talking a lot about certain things, uh, engaging fully with things. All of those would fall into the realm of the pleasure principle, so to speak. And when I'm saying pleasure principle, I'm not talking about the shallow pleasure, but the pleasure of being alive in one's body. And then... On the other hand, if uh, you have time and space and you could plan a week or a month, however you want to, and you are wanting to meditate, so you get your, you know, your, your application and the idea is you want to sit in the desert and look at the vast uh, boulders and do nothing, or you want to climb a mountain or you want to connect with uh, the ocean through surfing or you go on a three-week meditation retreat you just want to have your mind and your body experience nothing you know or um, you're into in extreme sports or your idea of a vacation is planning your next endeavor you know, and and there's a strong um uh, tendency towards emptying out, towards clearing everything away, and towards uh, creating the next challenge of forward motion, your essence is, uh, you know, masculine, the organizing principle. So once you learn that about yourself, you can then learn how do you strengthen those aspects and how do you support those aspects of you so that they're available for relationship and for sexual engagement and uh, because of course the body learns through repetition the body learns through doing the things that are natively um, you know good for you and so you would then do practices and endeavors and explorations that strengthen the aspects of you that are the most uh, both joyous and 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 uh, um, applicable to your sexual relating I'm curious if um, if I'm listening to us talk and I'm thinking, you know, like, I think I'm more in the pleasure principle and I think my partner is more in the pleasure principle. Is that going to create problems in terms of polarity in our connection? Um, it could. Um, Let's see how I guess that. Not necessarily, but you will find that your sexual interaction becomes a much more playful exchange um, than somebody ravishing and somebody being ravished. Now, mind you, you could be perfectly fine, both of you, all day, both uh, pursuing the realms of the pleasure principle. But when it comes to sex, one of you switches into the more... Um, organized role and in that particular moment you're properly polarized person is this is the one surrendering or the one that gets penetrated the other one is penetrating one is doing one is being it's it these things are only important when it comes to creating uh a, you know an interesting sexual play but 
two feminine partners together can still have interesting sexual play. It just has the kind of quality of, you know, in, in Taoism, they call it water on water. You know, feminine on feminine is like water on water. It's a very specific quality that's, uh, that, that doesn't have a lot of penetrative pinning force to it. But for most people, it's perfectly fine to be in that um, place all day and then just polarize for the sake of creating a more, um, you know, erotic friction. Right. It it strikes me that it brings us back to the one of the very first things that we were talking about, which is we we all probably have both qualities. So if you if you're able to develop facility in on all parts of the spectrum, then you might recognize like, all right, this is my time to organize, you know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that is that's the second piece of the conversation we started. The reason why I no longer adhere to these principles as strongly is that what's changed very strongly in my interaction with workshop participants and seeing people with each other and also in my personal work with couples is that it's no longer true that all men are just wanting to be in their masculine and all women want to be just in their feminine. It's become much more fluid. And even though you might have a masculine essence, you might actually be the more sensitive of the two partners, right? Or because most women nowadays have spent so much time uh, in that organizing principle that uh, and they're so good at it that they they haven't paid a lot of attention to the more sensitive aspects, and maybe neither should they. Yeah, I'm so, I'm thinking about I'm remembering when I read Way of the Superior Man, which was a few years ago, and it was it actually was a really profound book for me in a lot of ways. But it seemed like part of what he was addressing um, when I say he, I mean David Data, was like we had had this kind of stereotypical masculine archetype in our in our western world anyway um for quite some time and then we had this countercultural revolution and and guys were becoming more in touch with their emotions and um and and at the same time with um with feminism women were entering you know more involved in the working world and so there was this sameness that was that and that seemed to be what he was addressing was like that that we had maybe come to a cultural place where it, you know there were guys who kind of needed to find their masculinity but not yes. in a not in a stereotypical way yes and or you know and I, i'm speaking in terms of men and women but it, yes. This is true for for same sex relationships as yes. well. Yes. Um, and I think we've yeah, we've go gone a little bit beyond that now, where most people, particularly, you know, I've I've been working with uh, people in their mid twenties to mid thirties. This is just not that much of an issue anymore. They weren't raised by feminist mothers, right, the, the men particularly, and uh, their gender identification is neither one way or the other that strongly, meaning they're not the macho jerks, you know, of their f f grandfathers or father's generation, or usually grandfathers at that point. And they are also not these softy, uh, floppy guys. They are well-versed in both domains, right? They have very strong masculine aspects. And also, they're quite feeling and sensitive and, and uh, flexible and changing. Like, you know, before we got started on this interview, you were, you, was, you were talking about, we were talking about dancing, right? ecstatic dance or things like that. Well, that would be considered that purely feminine practice. And that would then mean that you would uh, be uh, turning your partner off. Um, but that's not always true because it can be so fluid that when one of you goes, um, you know, in a super pleasurable feminine place, the other one might go there too, or the other one might observe it, which is the masculine then, uh, and really enjoy it. And it's not connected to men and women. It's connected to, uh, like you said, having the facility to have it both and then give it to each other for the sake of, um, you know, strong play. And um, that that means 
I personally think that every woman should, um, you know, if I had my way, every woman would be completely versatile in animating her masculine really well and animating her feminine really well and the same with men so that you have the full range available. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I could see stuckness being a problem in either respect, you know, Mm -hmm. you're stuck if you can't have any polarity, but you're also stuck if you can't deviate, you know, that's exactly boring. Exactly. And then you're in this weird place where you have to rigidly pursue something that's not always true. And so the beauty is when you can identify where you are most happy um, but you have, you know, fluidity and you're not stuck and you don't, you don't suffer from, I have to be this way or else. You know, and that's very um, freeing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious, I'm fresh off of reading the Enlightened Sex Manual. Mm. And... <clears throat> Good read. <laughs> yes, probably my favorite book of David's. Yeah, and and it relates to some other books I've read. But in general, you know, we've we've actually talked a lot on this show in some of our earliest episodes about um, non ejaculatory sex um, mm-hmm. and and where we're able to go as partners. When we're when you're in this dance and it and it's not about this peak and release, and and we've talked about it a little bit from the energetic perspective with Diana Richardson, mm-hmm. whom I mentioned to you earlier before we spoke mm-hmm. uh, before we started the interview, um, in in the realm of <clears throat> of tantra and um, her her brand of tantra, and uh, and we've also sp- talked about it from a from a biological perspective um what happens in your body when you have that huge peak of dopamine and then crash and 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 what that sets up for you um so i i was psyched as i was reading this book um because at first i was like oh this is just going to be about like how to have crazy orgasms but um very early on uh David Data talks about um, getting off of the cycle of being addicted to orgasms mm-hmm. and and tuning in to what's happening and happening energetically. So I'm I'm wondering. Well, first, tell me why it's your favorite book, and because um, you said that right at the beginning, and that makes me <coughs> curious. And I'm also curious to know, like, how. Um, how does that weave into your own tantra practice? Mm, mm. So I do um, agree with um, you know the commonly held uh, opinion that um, the fixation around ejaculation, you know, uh, is uh, questionable and ver- can be very unhealthy, and that of course when you have um, control over your ejaculation and that's a small part right seminal retention isn't actually the thing you're after you are after um, energetic um, continence right which is the ability to um, work with your energy and circulate your energy and um, have cause over your energy way beyond not ejaculating because not ejaculating isn't isn't that hard to um, achieve, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have pleasure in the body or uh, that you are emotionally or psychologically free, right? There's guys and there's also whole schools uh, where it's like, don't come, don't come, don't come, right? You know, (laughs) you you can't come for three weeks or four weeks or three months or whatever. And that can be as obsessive and psychologically damaging than um, thinking about nothing else but ejaculating. So mm. it's not the ejaculation control that's really important. It's the ability to be energetically continent, which means that you have cause over what's happening in your body around sex, around arousal peaks and troughs and things of that nature. Where I've gone a little bit off the um, you know, the prescribed path of not only David but other people in that field is that I personally don't uh, think and don't find it useful in my in my work in my teachings and when I work with people um, 
one-on-one on this is that when people get too focused on the breath and on the circulation of the breath, they tense their body further and they tense their pelvic floor further, which essentially supports the tension and release pattern of the buildup of the energy. Mm. And so uh, there's a lot of people who commit uh, somewhat of a violence against their bodies by forcing these breath patterns and these holds on their body. And there's other schools where it's much more extreme, you know, there's other ways of doing it where you press certain points, you pull up certain ways. And most people are already so tight in their pelvic floors and so tight in that area and that's, as you know, because you're a man, I'm, I'm talking here, you know, about plumbing that isn't mine, so to speak. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, 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 the moment where you kind of go over the edge and where you ejaculate is a moment of extreme tension. So um, I find it rather um, counter um, productive in many, many uh, people I've worked with to impose more structure and more tension now you're tensing the breath and now you're pulling up the pelvic floor and uh if you get it technically right and you can train somebody to get it technically right it works and you can learn how to bypass ejaculation that way and you can learn how to direct your energy up the spine and you know uh, feel incredible pleasure but it usually takes longer it subjects you to um you know massive amounts of um psychological pitfalls around that recently uh, we've just done a workshop in, in london and um um because my my european teaching partner is based there and so we did a we did a series of uh, of um sexual yoga instructions in london and uh, you know th- there were people in there where the women now essentially would be incredibly upset if the men even had an ejaculation and that's of course also a, a real perversion because when you look at for instance Dower's text there's a certain amount that where you know of of times where ejaculation should happen for all kinds of reasons and also what kind of foods you eat how much salt how much meat how much exercise you have uh determine certain things so these very strong rigid um measures of control on a man's natural process, um, they can have so many other side effects that the effect that he can now last very long is kind of negated. So all has to be taken with a grain of salt. I personally definitely would uh, would want for a man to learn how to be so relaxed and so um, uh, in control of the um, aspects of his body that he can bypass ejaculation, have full body pleasure and orgasms. But the control can't be just another way to brutalize oneself. It has to be the the gentle, in tune with the body knowledge of the body's energetic patterns and the ability to relax the lower body and, and um, you know, direct energy in a relaxed and, and, and full way. So it's a dicey subject, to to say the least. And uh, there's many different uh, thoughts on that, but um, that makes sense I to would... me, and and I could see how, you know, you just you also don't want to create some other cause for disappointment and disconnection. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's what it's come down to with many people. Not always, and I'm not saying these things as an absolute, but I personally. Um, teach I, I do teach circular breathing and things like that but I don't teach it for that sake I would work and, and work with couples and work with men and and that's how we do it these days uh, between you know my my teaching partner Steve and I is um, uh, is, is to work with for pe- with people and their relaxation and the ability to uh, you know, not brutalize themselves and not force themselves and not to put more dogma and more, oh, I'm not good enough because I can't stop my ejaculations and all of that. Yeah. Then from there, you can you can get a different access to pleasure and a different a- access to your own sexual function. So the other thing to consider is that, of course, for many, many thousands of years, right, um, uh, 
putting control or on on a human's sexual urges is one of the main ways um you know of 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 control in society so uh, to go don't have sex it's a sin is not much different than don't ejaculate it's you know it's a spiritual sin i mean it's <laughs> it's the same kind of idea that 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 can be very dicey in the wrong hands um when you look at it more from a viewpoint of what's the optimal way for your body to be and relax so that you can um, combine yourself with another human, uh, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically, sexually in the optimal way, then that whole endeavor takes on a slightly different angle. Right. It's not so much like you're trying to get something right. It's, exactly, and missing the missing the point of the whole whole yeah. thing, yeah. Um, and yeah. and what you just said made me think too of you know there can be all this focus on you know the energy, the energy, the energy, but without the relaxation and really broadening your capacity to experience energy throughout your entire body, then that energy is going to be problematic. That's right. Yeah. So, Michaela, I, I want to take a minute first to let our listeners know that um, you have generously offered to give one of the recordings from your website, which is um, to a lucky listener. And the way that you qualify for that recording is to download the show guide at neilsatin.com slash polarity. Um, or you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and download, um, just follow the instructions there, and that will qualify you for that giveaway. So thank you so much, Michaela, for offering that to a lucky listener. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm hoping that in our last few minutes together that we could offer people something practical. Like what, what's something that that you like to give people as a way of really cultivating that that openness, the experience of, of those energetic, ecstatic states? Um, what's something that people can practice, you know, without getting too orthodox about it, but a way to, to give people some, some home play? Mm. Well, there's a few things that both men and women can do very easily regardless of how you identify yourself, uh, both, you know, in your sexual preference and your sexual essence. And um, one of the things that, that can't be emphasized enough in this time and age is movement. Uh, you know, you and I talked a little bit about it before we started the show, um, as in the benefits of dancing or contact improv. Um, if, if nothing else... Um, doing one song a day of movement, of actual pleasurable movement in the body and uh, shaking the body out and allowing the body to move spontaneously, not in an organized dance way, so not in a, I'm going to dance samba or whatever, but in a, a feeling what the body wants to do and then doing that uh, is probably one of the most beneficial things any human man or woman can do. Uh, most people, you know, sit for long periods of time and uh, don't get to feel their bodies as much as as uh, would be good, you know. And most exercise is rather linear and enforces, you know, certain habitual patterns as well. So um, I like to make sure that everyone I work with gets to shake it out at least one a day, you know, one time a day. You know, of course, if you have more time, dance more. But there's very few people who couldn't do a song even while brushing their teeth or something like that. Yeah. And then the second piece is, uh, that's then the, the other side of the spectrum, sitting for five minutes a day and doing absolutely nothing. So no meditation technique, no breathing technique, no focusing on anything, but just sitting without, um, you know, checking your phone or looking around with the eyes closed and just allowing whatever comes up to come up um, would be uh, would be a, a very good practice so you have the you have both ends of the spectrum yeah there's the organizing 
emptiness and the pleasuring fullness right there. Um, what about this, the energy piece? Because I, I don't know, I got to think that most people, when they read the Enlightened Sex Manual, um, they're they're reading about these, you know, the the light of infinite bliss shooting up their spine and up their partner's spine and and on some level they're like i want that i really want to experience that so um is the is the circular breathing technique that you were talking about earlier is that an important part of being able to open up those channels so that someone might actually experience that with their partner uh that's one of the ways, you know, uh, but it's not the most um, the most user-friendly way because most people don't have time to practice that, and most people have restrictions in your body uh, in their bodies that uh, make that a long way to go, right? Because that will take some dedicated practice. But yes, you know, learning how to um, be with your breath is one way. But like I said, if you put any control on that breath, it's not very likely to happen. Um, a much uh, a better first step would be to um, find ways to delocalize pleasure. So t- uh, to to um, take um, the pleasure that's in the genitals and expand it through the body, and because you know that's essentially what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to have pleasure and feel pleasure and have pleasure move through the body in 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 much bigger ways than just feeling it on the genitals. And, um, you know, there's many ways to do that without having to practice circular breathing for, you know, 30 minutes or 15 minutes a day. Now, if you have that kind of a dedication, then there's also other things that you can do that hasten that process wildly. But a good first step is to delocalize pleasure from the genitals into other areas of the body. So can you tell me more practically what that would look like? Well, that would mean, um, um, you know, touching other parts of the body while you're sexually engaged. Uh, It would mean um, loosening the body and sensitizing uh, the body in a way that you can feel in not only in other parts of your body, but that you also have more sexual pleasure. So that would mean relaxing the base of the body, um, feeling, you know, your extremities, uh, t- uh, loosening up areas that are incredibly tight, um, loosening the tension in the head and shoulders, bringing the energy down from the head and shoulders into the lower body through movement, through massage, through touch, through body work. Um, when when you're in the middle of sexual stimulation, allowing that pleasure to to spread through the body, through relaxation and breath and touch and attention. So all the things that can be done without, you know, a big to-do that make you more sensitive to the pleasure that's already always there. Yeah, one of... I hope it's okay that I'm revealing this. I didn't check in with Chloe first, but one of our favorite things to say to each other is is now do that, but relaxed. <laughs> so it's what? like bringing that attention to each other of like, oh, like that yeah. felt amazing. And, but I also felt the tension in you and what would it be yeah. like to relax yeah. and to receive in that moment? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's not to say that all those techniques described aren't valid and good techniques, right? It's just if you're not living a yogi life with a yogi lifestyle where you're spending most of your day tenderizing and relaxing and and your body and making yourself available and open to energy and all of that, you know, then uh, that, you know, uh, just a breathing technique isn't going to do that for you. Um, It's a, you know, it. It's a much, you started a much different uh, beginning point, which is what you're saying. Relax. Actually relax and feel. That's actual intimacy, right? Actual intimacy is feeling what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think, tunes you into how that that sexual continuum (laughs) is happening all the time. You don't have to be... In, I mean, speaking of delocalizing, you know, sexual pleasure, like it doesn't have to be when you're in bed or, 
you know, on the kitchen table or whatever. It can be when you're simply making a meal together or walking or whatever it is. There's always that capacity to be tuning into to that flow of energy. Right. Exactly. You well, know, and that's that's the basis of of everything that we're talking about before we go to any technique whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, a key seems like a key foundational thing. Um mm-hmm. before we go, what what is what's what makes that book The Enlightened Sex Manual you, you, when you said it was your favorite? What is it about that book that calls to you? Um to me it's the least um I don't know how to say that. It's the least dogmatic um, of the of all the books. I love Blue Truth as well. Right? I love Blue Truth because it, it's not dogmatic at all. It's just this beautiful exploration. But Enlightened Sex Manual to me is a is a much more alive and uh, and kind of evocative book that uh, takes um you know that takes other aspects uh, into account as well. Well, if you listening, if you read the book, definitely send your feedback my way because uh, I want to hear how it's impacting you, and I'm and I can pass that along to Michaela as well. And uh, Michaela Bohm, thanks again so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom, and and I feel like we're just getting started. There's so much more that we could talk about. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything in particular that you would like to to share about the work that you're doing um, before we go. I think um, you know, in the uh, along the lines of what we've just talked about, this year to me is a year of um, really uh, offering some actual education and not just an experience. Um, of what could be if you are, you know, in the right kind of set of circumstances, but uh, giving um, all the different um, somatic, you know, the bodily educations that allow you to not only um, feel more and, you know, feel more sexual pleasure and have more sexual sexual uh, engagement, but also, uh, you know, feel the pleasure of being alive and being in this moment and being in life. So my whole year... Um, all the all the events I'm doing this year, which can also be found all of be found on the website, but all all these events are geared towards providing a very strong somatic um, education and relaxation. And I'm particularly excited. I'm um, I'm offering a, a six month program in the U.S. and a nine month program in Europe and a bunch of five day uh, retreats where we can really go um, all the way through. Um, how do you make your body available for those kind of experiences? And by the end of five days of relaxing and opening and directing energy, uh, people have some very profound experiences that they can then replicate when they come home. And uh, that that's kind of my focus this year is to um, give take home um, practices and and uh, and uh, you know teachings and and uh, access to relaxation. That's uh, you know that's that's moving uh, people f- forth in their ability to be with their bodies and with their partners. Well, that sounds really really fun. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to see what that's all about, mm-hmm. and um, and I'll make sure that we have links to your website uh, as part of the show guide. So and which just as a reminder is at neilsatin.com/polarity. And, uh, and you can also text the word PASSION to the number 33444 to get more information. Uh, Michaela Bohm, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION 
P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.